0: Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. My primary mission with this podcast is to change the world by changing women. And really, that's helping women change in the ways they want to, habit formation included. But I often see that women are set up to fail with habit formation methods we've been given and taught and modeled our whole lives. If you want to learn the number one reason why women must do habits differently, sign up for my free class of the same name at aboutprogress.com habitclass. I have this really clear picture in my mind of a client that I was working with very early on in my coaching career. And I can't remember the specifics exactly of what we were talking about, but I do remember her face and her whole body really expressing this deep sadness and disappointment over something she was chalking up to her own ineptness. And I also remember her saying, I think I'm just broken. This moment is so clear for me because it was the first of many I've had with women over the years who are similarly convinced that they are not just broken, but especially broken, meaning unusually, irreparably broken. This moment is so clear also because I too for years thought that I was especially broken. And I have felt that way with recovering with eating disorders, with when honestly there was no recovering happening. I have felt that way with major issues within my marriage and parenting, and even to some regular small issues. <laughs> I have, and hopefully you do too, like maybe being the world's worst texter. Now, my answer to this first client has been the same for the many that have followed who have expressed sin- similar sentiment. And it's been just as true for them as it has been for me and as it will be for you. It's this you may be broken, but you're not especially broken. And you're not broken beyond repair. This is what my guest today has built her whole life's mission around helping women who are broken heal. Because she herself spent years believing the lie that she was especially broken too, before she finally took big steps to prioritize her own healing. Starting with what you'll hear us discuss today, surrendering to our brokenness. Don't worry, this is not an episode for those who want to stay stuck in martyrdom. In fact, this is for those who are ready to move well past it. And my friends, this is where you start. Toni Collier is a hope coach, author of Brave Enough to be Broken, and the founder of Broken Crayons Still Color, an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. As a speaker and consultant, her passion is to show women that they can be both broken and beautiful as they work out their healing. And you are going to love her. Tony, welcome to about progress. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I am too. I I'm already so drawn to your energy and what you're radiating. And I know it comes from somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever I meet someone like you, I'm like, there's always so much more to this depth and this light, um, mm. that can, I, I could just easily skip over. Cause I think, oh, this is just who they are, but no, I, I already know from you, this is hard-earned, And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today is how you've earned this personally, but also what you have to teach women about moving through the heart and the brokenness. And so let me just start this by saying, this is an idea. I think many women in my community are going to want to resist Mm. starting with myself and that's owning our brokenness and, Mm. and almost starting from that brokenness as a way to, to progress, to heal, to grow. But we don't want to start there. We just want to skip over the whole brokenness piece. Yeah. So I wanted to hear, let's just start with just your general thoughts Yeah. on brokenness. And I also want to hear more of your story connected to that too, but let's start with why do they need to not resist this? Why do they have yeah. to start with this owning the brokenness piece? Yeah. Well, let
1: me say this. I feel like I only have the authority to speak about this kind of stuff because I've done it wrong. Uh, I've tried to do it in one way. I've tried to be all things to all the people all the time, show up, crush it, all the things. I'm a three on the Enneagram. Achieving was my way to go. That's what I'm trying to say. That's okay? me too. That's, okay? that's my exact number.
0: <laughs> I am a
1: winner. Okay. And the truth is I failed because I started leaking out mm. of the brokenness that I was trying to stuff and hide and numb because it has no place to go. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but out of our control, out of the overflow of our numbing of our like stuffing things under the rug. And so there was a moment when I was leaking and it was just too much to handle. I, it felt like the bottom was falling out. Kind of like when you're like trying to carry all your laundry at one time and like the freaking socks fall out and all the little things, like my unhealth started to do that all over my relationships, all over my family, all over my career and everything that I was trying to be perfect in. And then I was forced to go down this excruciating, painful, not linear journey of healing. And I realized that Actually, when I learn to embrace the pain, embrace the brokenness, I actually go further faster because I'm more Mm. equipped to handle anything that comes my way because I've gone through the hard, gritty work of healing. And so when hard times come in the future, I can sustain, I have strategies put in place for me to win at it. And so I would say brokenness and embracing and embracing the pain on the forefront really does what we want all along. It gives us the grit that we need to endure and to fight and to come out on top as winners anyway. So, yeah.
0: Okay. I have like 10 questions that I (laughs) want to go towards, but let's start with this one. I'm curious why this was the case for you. Why were you afraid of being broken? Like what do you? do you reasons. Yeah, a few reasons. I
1: I grew up with a dad that was never proud and also verbally abusive. Mm. And so all I wanted to do was just make him proud. I was captain of the cheerleading team. I was on the debate team. I was in program council. I was in thespian society acting, doing everything to say, look at me, look at me, someone say, I'm proud of you. Mm. and. When my dad didn't, I just turned to other things. I lost my virginity at 13. I started drinking and smoking and living kind of this double life where I showed up and I was perfect and I was doing everything great. Graduated high school in three years at 16, graduated college at three years and at 19. Like wow. I was crushing it. But the only way that I was crushing it was through numbing, was through hiding. And, and I wanted to because I wanted someone, anybody to say, oh, Tony, I'm so proud of you. Look at all that you're doing. Look at all that you're able to hold. And I realized that it was just shallow, that I was really wanting to be praised for being in agony, for being burnt out and tired versus overflow of that, a healthy person, a person that works on the offense, not the defense. And so, yeah, I just wanted someone to be
0: proud of me. Isn't that the heart of a lot of what we struggle with is just wanting that approval to be seen, to be validated and, mm-hmm. and some of us can get that on the outside too, from what uh, everything you explained, like weirdly yeah. your avoidance to embrace your brokenness is what mm-hmm. made you more broken that yeah. pursuit of a standard of a metric. Like, please yeah. show that I am okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
0: you've brought up a few times, like what we do when we're avoiding being broken, you talked yeah. about, I can we break down some of those things a little bit, like for the women who are like fine. I'm not trying to avoid brokenness. Can you kind of like, no here's what you need to look for. This is what yeah. it looks like when you're avoiding this.
1: Absolutely. Well, our idols or the things that we use to numb are typically the thing that we're using to not be in pain. And if we don't get it, we're either angry, sad, we feel incredibly unsafe, out of control. And so for me that's looked like so many things. At first it looked like drugs and alcohol so that I wouldn't have to feel the ickiness of the darkness in my story. Mm-hmm. Then it became normal things. Like I was like, "Oh, I'm healthy now. Like, I don't do drugs anymore. No alcohol. I'm not like going too crazy." Well, then all of a sudden it was like, "Man, I'm I'm really shopping a lot. Started looking at my bank account. I was like, ah, dang it. Like I I'm doing this because I'm numbing. It also, um, looked like TV a whole bunch. I'm not really a TV kind of girl because I want to be efficient and effective. And so I want to work all the time. Well, TV became that for me so that I could distract myself from reality by going into someone else's reality. That's actually not the reality because it was television. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then also work, like drowning Mm. myself in work so that I can escape the pain. It is simply the things that we put in place to keep us from being in pain, to keep us from facing
0: realities. And it's so easy to do, right? Like there are things within literally within reach of our hands, even with these phones, right? Rolling all the things. So that's something they can start with is just being aware of the numbing behavior, but also coupled with that, it's sneaky ways of numbing through productivity achievement being on Mm -hmm. that hamster wheel. So you, you reached a point where that you couldn't stay on that anymore. Uh, What did it look like from there for you? Yeah.
1: Well, the truth is one of the reasons or the, the person that I really started healing for wasn't myself because I don't even think I had the courage, the bravery, the maybe even security and confidence to feel like I was worthy of going down this healing journey and being better and more whole. It was my daughter. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I was in a marriage really toxic and abusive. And I remember seeing fear in my daughter's eyes for the first time. And I was like, whoop, well, got to get out of that but I got out of the marriage and was still feeling anxiety and stress and all these things. And I said, well, that's really weird. Like I thought if I just got out of the environment, I'd be fine. Well, no. Okay. Because you take you with you. You also take all the wounds that you've developed over the years, all the ways that you suppress and numb over the years. And so that started spilling out into my parenting, into being really hard on my daughter and, you know, just getting into arguments with my parents. I mean, all kinds of things. I just took myself out of a toxic situation into, normal situations. And I started hurting the very people that I loved. And I started becoming the person that hurt me in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so from that place, I was like, ah, like I want to be better. I want to be more whole. I want the relationships that I do still have to experience the best and most full version of me. And that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some help. And, um, and it changed my life, not only for me, but for my daughter as well.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all that yeah, it's,
1: absolutely,
0: you know, my path isn't the exact same as yours, but I really relate to mm-hmm. a breaking point, yeah. you know, and realizing it's a bigger picture. And also mine's connected to my kids too. And seeing like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is not who I want to be yep. as their mother. And mm-hmm. I think the women who are listening, you know, who are wrapped up in the behaviors we talked about, but also seeing that come to Jesus moment, right. Of sorts mm-hmm. where they're like, this is bigger than me. And I yeah. also need to rise up to it. I, I want you to just help them understand why starting with a brokenness is empowering. Cause that seems really contradictory. Why is it not contradictory?
1: Because, well, I mean, first and foremost, you don't need a whole bunch of courage to be perfect. Mm. I mean, let's be honest, like, gosh, we can show up with our highlight reels and all the things. And that's effortless. Like, look at what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. That's that takes no grit. That takes no real courage or bravery. It takes bravery to look someone in the eye and say, I'm battling with addiction. I'm battling with anxiety and depression. And and I've been stuffing it by myself for so many years. That takes real bravery. Well, for most of us, um, we we want to live. I mean, the truth is we all have this desire to be the best version of ourselves. Unfortunately, society has made it seem like the best version of ourselves requires perfection. It requires us to uh, be perfect all the time. Like that's the key, the antidote to success. When truly it's surrender, it's being able to say, I've overcome this. Hope rises from the dirt. Well, if we're not willing to get our hands dirty to go through the real hard things, then we actually can't hold up the badge and the honor of, look at me, I'm a hopeful person. Look at me, I've done some really hard work. No, you haven't done your work. You've been Mm -hmm. playing perfect all the time. And that's just, we just have to get over that, like that facade, you know?
0: So in many ways, embracing our brokenness Mm -hmm. is surrendering to being human. Yeah. Like surprise. Here we go. It's saying I am imperfect. I love Brene Brown says
1: this. I'm imperfect. We are wired for struggle, but we're still worthy of love and belonging. Well, how much more does it mean to be worthy of love and belonging when you're imperfect? It's real easy to love like the perfect person, the little Teletubby friend that we have that's smiling all the time. You know, I call her like a Susan. She's a Susan. Okay. She brings charcuterie to every freaking thing. She's amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, it's, but it's like, it's so easy to love her. It means so much more when someone can look us in the eye and say, I know everything that you've been through and I still love you the same. Hmm. And just like sit with that. Like, that feels good. To be like, yeah. dang, all my stuff is out there and I'm still so worthy of love and belonging. Oh, that's good.
0: That's something you are connecting the dots for me too. I, I I've talked about this in like a workshop I used to teach just how perfectionism is- a shield, you know, yeah. but it's also a, a weird pedestal and no mm-hmm. matter what you're removed from people and that's what you're missing out on is, are those relationships. So mm-hmm. they have that to look for on the other side. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really wanting to know though, Tony, how did you do that? <laughs> like, how did you surrender to your humanness? And then what you know. did your, your progress look like from there?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing that I had to do was become aware of what I brought to really painful situations. It was this idea that I I didn't really want to be a victim anymore. I didn't want to have a victim mindset. And the truth is when you go through abuse for whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, you are a victim, Um, but you don't have to attach that as a defining word to yourself. You can overcome and all the things. And so the first step for me was becoming aware of what I brought into it and where that came from. There was a reason why I kept ending up in abusive situations. Like my dad was verbally abusive and. I, at 13 I lost my virginity to a sexually abusive man and then I got married to a verbally abusive man. I mean and then I went to a church to this abusive pastor and I'm like, "Well, freak, like, wait a minute. Like there's something here that I am bringing into the situation. There's something that I'm attracted to and the on the other side of that is a shadow side and I need to figure out what that is." Well, it was control. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I had no control over my life as a little girl because darkness entered into my story and I was just looking for someone like a father figure to control Control My environment so that I wouldn't have to work so hard. Yeah. I looked for that in other men. And so that, that aggressive traits, those little, you know, controlling traits that are not good on the other side is what I looked for. And I was attracted to. Well, so awareness is the first step. Well, how do I become aware of what I bring into situations into my life? Well, you got to have a guide for that. Oftentimes that's a counselor. Okay. Yes. To help you piece the things together that's underneath the surface that we just don't freaking know. Like I'm a normal human being. I don't know what this stuff, I don't know what neural pathways are and how it's yeah. you know, divinely connected to my brain, to my actions. Mm. I don't know that stuff. So I go sit in counseling and I'm like, teach me how. Mm. And the truth is the best leaders are the ones that look for the experts so they won't have to go through a really, really hard journey to get on the other side. You want to be a leader, go get help so that you can go further faster. And that's what I did. And from that place, it looked like changing my community. Like I had toxic friends that were, you know, feeding um, all of my toxicity and my bad behaviors and my numbing and all the things. And so I had to change community, move some people out of the way, process through what does it look like to get new community as an adult, which is freaking really weird. Hard. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like be my friend. What are you talking about? <laughs> you 35 year old lady, you know, like yeah. it's so weird, but it's so
0: needed. If we're going to just live the most whole life possible. I love how, um, practical those are, but also big too. Like these each are going to take time, right. Yeah. But it, it gives them a, some steps to take on this path towards healing. Yeah. And ultimately that's what your goal is in helping them yeah. is, is to heal. So let's go back to another resistance point that Mm woman, they want the healing. They don't want to embrace the broken. We've discussed, you know, a lot of that, but one of the big reasons I think is because they're afraid they're going to stay there. Like if I embrace the broken, then I'm giving myself permission to just luxuriate in it. And I will become the victim, you know, you know, and I, and I'm afraid of doing that. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep numbing or keep being overproductive and keep striving and, and still you know, landing myself back into this brokenness. I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. So how, how do they not stay there? Well, let me just first and foremost say this. Like sometimes you do get a little stuck. Like
1: sometimes you run up against something in your past. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you're like, Whoa, I hate that that really took me out. We have a women's course that we do. We walk with women for six months through a healing journey. And step two at the very beginning is story mapping. And they always get stuck there. Yeah. They're like, nope, I don't want to think about eight-year-old Tony. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about what, that, what I went through. I don't want to think about that darkness that was in my story, because if I think about that darkness that was in my, that my story, then it's going to be true. And if that's true, then that means I wasn't worthy of protection. And I don't want to do that. And they get stuck right there. And I've had so many women that's like, I want to schedule a separate call because I am stuck. Yeah, I just want to validate that because mm-hmm. it is a valley, right? Like it, it is, is actually a valley, but the mm-hmm. truth is, or, and the truth is, let me not say, but, cause we don't want to be avoidant of that. It's, and the truth is that resurrection has no power without death. Mm-hmm. We can sit in Saturday in the valleys and say, okay, I am here. And when you're in that stuck Valley, that's when you have the opportunity to say, who do I have that can be with me in the Valley until I can claw my way out. I have my friends. I have safe people. I have my counselor. I have Jesus. If that's your Stilo, like I can, I can be in this Valley and I can be okay in it. And if that's the whole idea of my new book, it's embracing pain. It's literally swimming and wading through the depths of really hard things. Because it's in that place again that we build endurance and grit to make it on the other side. So we don't end up in another valley. (laughs) You know? So
0: that's beautiful. Much more after the break. on in our life as parents, my dad gave us one of the best pieces of financial advice, and it was this, get life insurance and get it now. We took that advice and ever since have felt the relief of knowing that in case of the worst happening, our kids would be set up for financial security. If you're looking to organize your family's financial future and ensure your kids are protected, take my dad's advice and make sure to start with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for all your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies. They also offer other financial solutions like access to college savings, wills, and more, all in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Brad and I were personally shocked by how simple the application process was and how doable our monthly payment is too. The peace of mind alone is totally worth it. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash progress. That's meetfabric.com slash progress. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash progress. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Here are two big things that are getting in the way of homemade dinner happening for my family. Time and money. With a newborn, I don't have time to plan my own meals right now, nor the usual 45 minutes to hour to take to prepare those meals. And I know I don't need to explain to you how scary high food prices have become. If you're like me and still want homemade dinners on the table in less time and money, check out Every Plate. Every Plate is a meal kit service that will help you take back the clock with fewer trips to the grocery store and meals ready in 30 minutes or less. Actually, you can even make that 15 minutes or less with their new slate of recipes. You can choose from fast, flavorful options like pimento-style grilled cheese sandwiches and smoky cumin pork tacos. I used another meal kit service years ago, but I found that that company's meal kits were way too expensive, and my boxes didn't have the freshest ingredients, but every plate is different. Their meal kits average to be 25% cheaper than shopping for the same meals at the grocery store, and the ingredients stay super fresh. In fact, my box's ingredients were so fresh that they lasted almost 10 days post-delivery before I made my vegetarian recipe of roasted tomato pasta. I made that meal the night before I had my baby, and I found myself craving it while in the hospital. To make these savings even better for you, right now you can get $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com podcast and entering code PROGRESS149. That's up to a $110 value. Get started with Every Plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com podcast and entering code PROGRESS149. we're connecting to something, uh, if we're just looking at this market wise, I always joke, like it's really hard to sell what I, what I preach because I'm saying you're going to get stuck (laughs) and you're saying that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of, (laughs) you can't skip over it. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. So, so with this, I'm, I would love to know what you do when you're in that stuck Valley. Yeah. talked about friendships and having that community anything else that helps you through?
1: Absolutely. There is a um a, a strategy. It's a neurological strategy. It's called internal family systems. And it's incredible. Dr. Allison Cook has done tons of research on Never it. Never heard of it. Oh, it's so good. It's called boundaries for your soul is her book. Wow. And the whole concept around it. And some people are like kind of weird about it, especially, you know, Christians, but the whole concept around it is that The truth is there are parts of us that make up the whole of us, right? Like there's little Tonys all over the place. There's eight-year-old Tony, 13-year-old Tony, 16-year-old Tony who left her parents' house and was driving and trying to go to law school and all the things. We are made up of all the parts of us. Well, oftentimes what we do when we're numbing is that we like try to get rid of those parts. We don't want to experience that thing. We don't want to experience insecurity when someone else gets a promotion at work and we don't. But that insecurity still is a part of us that revs up that jealousy, that thing. Well, when I'm in a valley, I try to figure out, let's just say I'm in a valley of jealousy. I try to figure out what's happening with that part of me. Where did that come from? What what is she thinking? What is she so afraid of? Well, mm-hmm. when did she even show up in your story? Well, maybe it was when I didn't become the captain of the shooting team after I worked really hard. Maybe that's where she first showed up in my life. Yeah. But what does she need to hear? Maybe she just needs to hear for once that she's enough, that even without the title captain, she's awesome and she's loved and she's worthy. And so in the valleys, I really try to like go internal and like, yeah ask like what part of Tony is hurting right now. And I tend to her because the truth is we throw her out of the house. We don't invite her to the tables because it's icky. And it reminds us that we have some dark parts, Yeah, but if we were to tend to her, just like our current cells need tending to, maybe she wouldn't rev up so bad. Maybe she wouldn't be so angry. Maybe she wouldn't show
0: up anymore. And so, yeah, internal family systems on the money. It's so good. Okay. We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes, but I love how that's going back to your first tip for these women was awareness, you know, just getting aware of like what's actually happening here. Mm -hmm. That's maybe deeper that I don't want to, to look at, but needs tending. That's another Mm -hmm. word, beautiful word tending. So for the women who are ready to tend to themselves a little bit better Mm -hmm. and to do these things, can we talk about the time (laughs) aspect of this Mm -hmm. that, you know, time. is wow. That's a big part of this healing journey. I know it is the
1: thing that bothered me the most. I was like, wait, you telling me I have to take an hour out of it every single week and maybe sit in the counseling office and sit and talk and ruminate. I'm like, okay, well, how can we like make this a little faster? And the truth is out of that place is when I created my women's organization, broken crayons, still color. Cause yeah. I was like, there has to be a more succinct at least way. Well, the foundational truth is that healing is not linear and it's extremely painful,
0: period. That's, it is what it is. Okay. That's part of the brokenness to embrace, right? Like this is part of the the process. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, but also
1: there can be some easier ways, a roadmap, which is also what the book is. It's a roadmap that can kind of put some guardrails around this thing so that we're not wandering all over the place and wasting our time. Yeah. It can be efficient. But within your story, we can't place a time on that. We don't know how long it's going to take. That's called the pain comparison trap. Well, Mm. she healed from this really quickly. Well, she did. Her story looked like this and she just went to one counseling session and was good to go. Mm -hmm. We have to, I mean, we, we just can't compare. I mean, we just, you know, we can't compare because we don't really even see what's happening, but we also can't compare because it robs us of the ability to heal in the timetable that we actually need to heal on. And so I would say this, man, I would say for those of us who value um, efficiency, delayed gratification has been something that I literally verbally say I'm grateful for. It helps me. I don't know why, but it helps me. I wake up sometimes when I'm practicing gratitude and I literally say, I'm grateful for delayed gratification, the surprise at the end of the painful dark tunnel. I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Why am I grateful for that? Because I've experienced delayed gratification, and the truth is in the moment, it's freaking awesome. When you've mm-hmm. been waiting for something, working for something really hard, and then you get it, it's like, yeah. oh, snap, this is amazing. I work for this, it's here. We don't like the beginning, but we dang sure like the end. And so if we can keep the end in mind, if we can k- keep the delayed gratification in mind, I think it'll help us with time. I think it will. and just be kind to yourselves. Okay.
0: <laughs> and yeah. That Valley, those valleys sometimes are a lot longer than yep. they, they almost seem like planes, you know, when you're just, you keep, you keep walking, you keep tending, you keep trying. But yep. I think what I hope women are taking from you, especially yep. is that their list as, as they listen to your experience, is that, Hey, there's going to be a summit on this other side. Like you're, you are going to get there. Yeah. So well, I think the it's the process.
1: Hard it's hope. hope. When we don't have hope, it really is us essentially saying that it can't get better. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep hope in the forefront. And the the way that we do that, here's another practical tip. The way that we keep hope alive is that we, we make sure that we look back at the little. Okay. You know, for me, I'm like, if I don't have abs, there's no progress here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, if I don't, if I can't see them cut out, then there's no progress. But what I should be grateful for is that I can wear these jeans that I've been wanting to wear. And yeah, we don't have abs right now, sweet girl, but you can slide these jeans on though. Hello, somebody. Let's <laughs> celebrate the little. And so I think we do that's how we keep hope alive. We just yeah. celebrate the little. Like, oh, look at that.
0: Even the smallest signs of progress, I, I think to me, Honestly, we, we just like to jump over those and, and, and not even notice them. But you're right. Like, it's mm-hmm. so that can be the fuel to yep. the fire we need to, to go through those valleys. that turns turn into planes. Um, yep. thank you for bringing it back to hope. Uh, can, can you give us a little bit more of, of hope though, too? like, tell us what's, what's on the other side. I don't think you're arrived. Like, you're not like, I'm 100% like gone. Don't have to progress work anymore, but yep. still what's on the other side of the planes that you yep. went through.
1: Oh, what so much goodness. Expect? Well, let me say this first and foremost. um, none of us have ever arrived. Surprise guys, you're not gonna arrive. Yeah. okay, sucks., uh, bubble pa- popped, it's gone. We never <laughs> arrived. We are always arriving. But what's on the other side is, goodness, so much goodness. One of the the practical things is the way that I parent my daughter and Mm -hmm. seeing her, Oh my gosh, seeing her be honest and vulnerable with the things we just had a four month old little baby
0: and she came home.
1: Thank you. And she came home and she's crying. She's so grateful. And about two weeks later, she's like, I'm jealous. I am. (laughs) She's like, "Mm -mm, I'm jealous mom. And you know, my first instinct could be like, Oh, brush that off because that's what I did. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought was a, acceptable. And so that's what I did to my daughter. Oh no, no, you're fine. I don't know. It's all good. You shouldn't be jealous of your brother. It's just totally fine. It was such a special moment when I sat down with my daughter and, and I said, what do you think's making you jealous? Like, what do you think's behind that? And she said, well, I mean, you guys just like hug him so much. You cuddle so much. I said, do you want more hugs in the day? Do you want you know us to just hug? She goes, yeah. And I get emotional about this because it's everything that I needed at eight years old. She's eight years old now. It's everything that I needed and wanted. It's everything that no one asked me for. No one sat down and tended with me for. And I get to do that for my daughter. And that did not come from anything I experienced in my childhood, anything, any brokenness. What it came from was the health that was on the other side of embracing my brokenness in my past. And now we're just hugging like nobody's freaking business. And it's great. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You made this non-crier well up with tears. So that's oh. you get a trophy for that one Tony. That is amazing. I win. Okay. Uh, and that's the bigger you know we're circling back to one of the hard parts about avoiding brokenness is yeah. the lack of connection. Mm. And on the other side is connection.
1: Yeah. Starting to
0: connection to yourself but those that really matter. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing about that. Yeah. Um I I like to make sure we end with one doable, super practical way women can begin. Yep. And of course we've had a lot of great practical tips, but we've also talked a lot about kind of like abstract things. So sure. if there was one small thing that yep. women could do to start. What would that be?
1: Yeah. I would say create a replenishment cycle. Oh. Uh, the Tom Patterson Institute has this life planning thing that you can do. It's like thousands of dollars and whatever, but I'm going to give you some free nuggets right now. Okay. Um, A replenishment cycle essentially is how you can begin to make space for living a life on the offense, not the defense. Instead of being so reactive to everything that's happening, it's kind of like putting something in the reserve. In my personal replenishment cycle, it is written out like a little graph. And at the bottom, it it lists all the things that really give me life, like things Mm -hmm. I don't have to do, but things that, you know, that just give me life, that just make me feel great about myself. And one of those things is nature. I love to be outside. I love anything nature canoeing, kayaking, all the things I think going for a hike that fills me up. Hmm. Another thing for, for me is getting my hair and nails done. I mean, come on vanity. I don't care. Like (laughs) I want to be cute out here. It makes me feel like my best self. Well, now that I've identified all of the things that are in my replenishment cycle, I identify how often I actually need them. Okay. So I would go, I would keep a ledger over the month and say, okay, how often do I really need to get my nails done to make sure that it is actually replenishing me? Well, every two mm-hmm. weeks, how often do I need to get my hair done every two weeks? How often do I need to go out in nature? Two to three times a week. Yeah. Not once, not every other week, two to three times a week. I need to get outside, learn that the hard way during COVID. Hello, somebody. I know. And then I do it. I execute it. It's teaching me self-care. It's teaching me how to be Mm. aware of things. It is equipping me for when stuff hits the fan because stuff be hitting the freaking fan. It is what it is. And so, but I have a reserve. I have resilience that's backing me up. That's filling me up. So I would say, girls, create a replenishment cycle. Do it.
0: That is awesome. i never yeah. heard that phrase before, but mm-hmm. so much of what you spoke to is uh, a difference maker in my life too. And, and I honestly started back to just so, something simple like that can be yeah. so helpful.
1: That's
0: good. So Tony, we need to talk about your book. Okay. And, and I also want to make sure we, we lead people to where to find you, but brave enough to be broken. Can you tell us more about your book?
1: Yeah. I freaking love it, man. Here's what I've been saying about the book. The book is not about my story because I can tell my story all the time. And I've put all my business out into the internet's world. I mean, it's crazy. The book is about healing your story. And what I love so much about it is it's not this freaking memoir. It's not like, look at me, Tony. It's Hey, I feel you. I see you. I have authority to talk about this because I've been through some real dark things. Now here is a roadmap. So you Mm -hmm. can go further faster. This isn't a whole bunch of fluff. It is practical steps. Do this to get into counseling. Um, How do you do counseling practically? How do you transition toxic community out? How do you find new friends? How do you practice gratitude daily? Like all the things. It's practical steps because I'm a practical patty, okay? And, And it's just for people that's like, I don't want to, I don't want to leak on my family. I don't want to leak on my friends. I want to be the most whole version of myself. I am strong enough, brave enough to go through some hard things and come out on the
0: other side better for
1: it. That's what the book is brave enough to be broken.
0: Yeah. Mm, I love how you shared about that because I I know that's what it's for. It's for these women who are ready Uh, and, and, but your story does, I have to say, like it does (laughs) help so much. And I know you share it too, as part of the book you know, so that we can see not only the authority, but also where we're headed and what it looks like. Uh, so where else can they find you though? Besides the book that we'll link to where should they go?
1: So it's Tony J. Collier on everything. T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R on all the things, (laughs) Instagram, website. Um, I have a still coloring
0: podcast, which I love and yeah, it's Tony Collier on all the things. Fantastic. We will link to all of the things, Tony, this has been a beautiful time. I've really enjoyed being able to connect with you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants to grow. I'll now share the progress pointers. These are the notes I took so you don't have to. And those on my Go Getter newsletter will get them in a graphic form each Wednesday. Number one, embracing your brokenness doesn't make you stuck, it enables you to deeply heal. Number two, avoiding brokenness often looks like numbing behavior and or overproductivity. It also negatively affects your relationships. Number three, start by surrendering to the fact that you are human. Work on awareness of what you have brought to your struggles and cue into a supportive community. Number four, getting in a stuck valley is part of the process. Re-anchor into support while you build endurance and work through the hard that healing requires and get clarity on what part of you from your history needs tending to. And number five, healing is hard and takes time, but there are roadmaps that help. Keep the end in mind and hope in the forefront by celebrating the littles. Your do-something challenge for this week is to create a replenishment cycle. And that is new to me, but I think it's a lot of what we've actually lived out in this podcast. It's ways that you are filling your tank, whether it's self-care or interests and Tom Patterson was who she referenced. If you want to Google that somewhere and figure it out, so create a replenishment cycle. I loved this time with Tony so much, and I highly recommend her podcast in addition to her great book. And the podcast is called Still Coloring. Before we go, a quick reminder, I'm sure you're sick of hearing, but I am still on maternity leave, and that means I did the work far in advance to make sure that this podcast is still going. But while I'm doing that, guess what? My own marketing of the podcast has taken a huge backseat to me cuddling my baby and doing lots of laundry. And because of that, I am relying on you, the listeners, to ensure that this podcast is being heard by new people. The way you do that is by sharing the episode with even one friend today. You get bonus points, though, if you leave a rating and review on your podcast app. Thank you for stepping up in ways I'm choosing not to right now. And thank you for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. You're broken, but you're not Especially broken. You're not broken. Right beyond. Gosh. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.